This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Nathan and Alex on Earth. If you want to help us keep making the show ad-free like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Here is a content warning for this week's episode. There is insanely uncomfortable albedo shit all throughout the opening, with young women, some sexual, some violent, and assisted suicide being major themes of the endgame. Please be aware going in, and if you need to skip ahead, there may or may not be a timestamp here for after these events. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that contains one third of its runtime after the storyline is finished. This is Season 7, Episode 12, covering the final cutscenes and post-game content in Xenosaga Episode 2 for the PS2. I'm finally free! I'm your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him. With me today is... Sybil Arnett, she, her. Ryan Beatty, they, them. Matt Marcus, he, him. Sybil, I want to tell you something very funny really quick. Okay. I was talking about something you said on a podcast, and I referred to you as a, a Sybil, and my wife is like, I can't believe you conned a woman into making your nerd-ass podcast with you. Yeah. Yeah. Every every single woman is going to have that response to you now that there's one on the network. And I had to backdoor my way in, too. Someone tell me about what happened last episode, because I forget. Pope Sergius XVII captured the Zohar and used it to power a robot known as Proto-Omega, destroying the planet of Milsha and birthing a massive space station called the Omega System. Our cast fought their way inside, with Albedo deciding to reveal himself and join our heroes for a mere ten seconds of life. Just as it seemed Sergius was going to turn the infinite energy weapon against them, Three cloaked goons, the Testaments, intervened, deciding to relieve the Pope of his plaything. Before his ashes could settle, Ziggy recognized his family's annihilator behind the black mask of Voyager, and proceeded to get hilariously owned trying to fight a demigod. Albedo was revived and given permission to touch Udu, the entity within the Zohar, and only Cosmos willingly providing cover for our heroes allowed them to escape the growing time-space anomaly that formed in its wake. Swallowing the debris of both Milsha and the Omega system, this red cloud is currently on hold, probably due to the robot. Hearing his brother's voice, Junior has flown out solo to enter the anomaly and put an end to this madness. And so, as soon as you progress inside the anomaly, a Milshan conflict-aged young Albedo appears in ghost form before his brother. It's amazing you came alone. Were your friends scared you'd abandon them too, like you did us? You coward. This is, in the PS2 version, not a dungeon. 
This is a very bad acid trip at Rubido's expense. You will walk from vision to vision until the final battle. The first is Albedo digging graves at the Yuriev Institute as practice for when Rubido and Negredo die. That way, he won't be sad when the time comes. He then asks aloud, If I link with Udu again, will Rubido kill me? And this is when it turns from flashback into taunts. A harem of Kirschwassers caress the now Christ-posing Albedo as he calls linking with the entity a deal with the devil. Okay, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, uh, remember, like, 15 hours ago in this game when the whole backstory about the URTVs discovering mortality via Udu and, like, Albedo's relationship with death was one of the major themes of the game, and then the game didn't do shit with it for, like, the entire back half of the game? Surprise! The theme is back! Out of the fucking blue! After uh -huh. you've already defeated what is clearly the final boss! Yep. Yeah, what a mess. Alright, so... The second vision is the really tough one. So this is the one where if you want to skip ahead a bit, uh, hopefully there's timestamps, but we are back. Don't say that. You're in charge of it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm lazy. Anyway, the point is, I've wow. Done <laughs> I've done that. Uh, I say, I'll, do, uh, I'll add that in the, in the show notes so that I never remember. And then to I delete the show that notes. message so nobody hears my shame. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to skip the sensitive material, please fast forward to the 12 minute mark. Thanks. All right. So in the second vision, you are in Sakura Mizrahi's bedroom and Sakura is there and Albedo is there and Albedo is trying to beat her to death. And it is extremely, extremely uncomfortable. And this even turns into ableism as... He calls her a mannequin, claiming that she stole Rubido from him. So, so fucking glad I play this when my wife isn't around. Yeah, my my wife was in the room. That was Ugh. she didn't say anything. And I just was like, I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> yeah, that would ride. Uh, but uh, Rubido decks Albedo one right to the face. But his brother recovers and lifts up the body of Sakura by the hair and continues to sling insults at his brother. But Junior decks him once again, sending Albedo flying, and suddenly the body that was Sakura has turned into Momo as the body falls to the floor. And Albedo says, God, you're disgusting, Rubido, to think that you keep trying to satisfy yourself with this toy. Re real rough shit. And, yeah. you know, calls her a ragdoll, saying that she's damaged uh, by his own hand, just... Which, for ugh. the record, is about the brain damage done, not the other thing, which is not the, the, um, the gross molestation the U.S. edits make it appear to be. No, right. it's explicitly referencing that, especially when he starts licking his fingers. Oh, yeah. 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 No, it's, 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 it's that. It's yeah, that. It's... <laughs> It's real bad. Oh, but, yeah. I thought, this, I thought this was about the, the brain thing he did during the deep dive. Oh, no. It's the thing from the end of the last game, because that's why he goes in real creep style. Yeah. Okay. The worst part about this is how Albedo has the best voice actor in the entire game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. 
But this like, is also like the performance is good, version. which makes the scene bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a second voice actor. Both albedo voice actors are this good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just as a sidebar, imagine how shitty of an a villain Elbido would be if his voice actor was bad. Yeah, absolutely awful. Yeah. He would just be the guy from FF9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he he would be a Kefka. Get own people who like Kefka. I was about to say, like, you mean Cujo? Oh, no. He's nope. just trying to own people who like sex. No, Cujo is Jojo. Yeah, Kuja. Kuja. Oh, you're right. You're right. Cujo you're is right. the Stephen King book, Matt. Yeah, Cujo is the yeah. Stephen King Damn. dog. Also good. <laughs> right. So to finish out the scene, Junior tries punching Albedo one more time, but Albedo vanishes and he ends up striking the wall, leaving him alone in the child's bedroom. And that is the end of this vision. So like none of n- none of this, none of this was necessary at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. This already feels like a hasty coda to wrap up some shit that they kind of forgot about. But like, all of Xenosaga episode one, they were playing with some pretty uncomfortable concepts. It, it, it wasn't just all of a sudden shoehorned into the final series of cutscenes like it is here. Xenosaga episode two, for the most part, much less problematic on like uh, many large scales. Some of it because they like dropped some of the philosophy that they were trying to discuss, but some of it just because like they they were they they just weren't coming close to some of the shit that episode one came close to. So to have it all of a sudden pop up again extremely explicitly, only now everyone is junior aged, it left such a gross taste in my mouth. Oh, it's it's bad. So I'm not going to say it should be included, but in the context of what this ending dungeon is, which is clearly cutscenes that where where there should have been more game here. And instead, they just hacked it together into what you have here. Because this is obviously cutscenes that were done from cut content strung together because mm-hmm. you walk five feet, watch a 10 minute cutscene, walk five feet, watch a 10 minute cutscene. So this is obviously something that they had more stuff planned around. But without that, it just comes across as like really gross and unnecessary. But I am willing to extend the benefit of the doubt that there was an intention that just doesn't exist anymore and that the real sin was just not cutting it. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. when you think about it, it like i again don't want to defend it because i'd rather not have this in here at all but it it should not be here if the content around it that gives it context is gone sure i mean like yeah you could string the context together being like okay albedo's relationship with the kirschwassers he's trying to strike a parallel between that and junior's relationship with momo but at the same time he's also trying to just piss junior off as much as possible and he would certainly if he was aware of you know, the relationship with Sakura as a child or, you know, when they were younger, of course, Albedo would have a lot of resentment and anger towards Sakura and would want to physically take it out on people like he did with the other URTVs. Like, all of this, like, character-wise and story-wise makes sense, but it's also really bad and didn't need to be here. And yes, it comes out of nowhere in the context. He could have just done it by pointing out that Sakura died because he on Milsha because he was a coward and right. They could have uh, done Milsha it. Got yeah. obli- obliterated yeah. as a result of his cowardice. At the end of the day, I just I just full stop do not trust this team with this no. material, no matter how much more time or resources yeah. they might have had. There's a retcon yeah, yeah, yeah. to this that makes this worse. 
Oh, God. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's coming after we finish the ending. Okay. Okay. For for the record, we didn't say it, but the space time anomaly just looks like the cover of my bloody uh, bullet from nope, my bloody Valentine's Loveless. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Extremely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard it described as the gamer fuel dimension because it's just a rippling <laughs> red wave over and over with no. <laughs> it does look very uh, Mountain Dew red code, huh? Oh my god, that's so good. Every time I leave a cutscene in my brain, I hear (laughs) like the classic opening riff from that album. Mm -hmm. The next vision is a gothic hallway, but clearly in space because it's got weird, cold, sterile spaceship panels. As Rubido keeps walking past mirror after mirror, the reflections begin taunting him. He's such a menace. We should just kill him already. A few of them mime hanging himself. Eventually, the reflection becomes Albedo, screaming about how he wants to die. This is sending Rubido into KO Ken mode, but a vision of Sakura Mizrahi hugging him turns off kill mode for 10 minutes, and he is able to quell the, quote, red dragon mode. He struggles forward, saying he's going to remain himself for the rest of this. He does not. Nope. <laughs> The final chunk of this is a very H.R. Giger cathedral slash throne room. Uh, It's very nondescript, but very, like, visually inspired. Mm. In various pillars around the room, bone-like bases lead into glass tubes with Kirschwassers inside. Atop some stairs, the top half of Albedo is resting on the throne with his body ending in a weird tube-cape hybrid. The speech Albedo gives here is wild. I saw a higher enlightenment and looked down on the leaning tower of culture humanity had constructed. Barely a tower, really. Rotting wood on a sinking foundation. Tell me more about how things have been bad since Reagan. <laughs> it just seems like a real serious own on, on Italians and the leaning tower. <laughs> no. I mean, we haven't had a leaning tower for centuries at this point. We lost Jerusalem. <laughs> uh. He idly suggests maybe he'll shove all of humanity into a higher dimension, forcibly evolving them like he was. But he starts going very Joker here, musing on whether or not there'll be the concept of holidays on the other side for them to name one after him. God. Which, fucking incredible. This speech rules. This speech is so fucking bonkers. And also, like, it is once again, finally, a reintroduction of Albedo being, like, the game stand-in for Nietzsche and how uh, bonkers Takahashi at one point in the past thought Nietzsche was. But then also turns out that he just wants to third impact everybody. So he's like Nietzsche Gendo, but with a whole ton of charisma and chutzpah from uh, from the inspired performance. I cannot think of a single character in video games more accurately described by the phrase problematic fave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, with the exception of like one scene per game, incredibly fun to watch because he's just all manic energy, unpredictable, mm-hmm. and so over the top that you won't root for him, but you're definitely going to be like, yo, get a camera. Uh, yeah, and my man pulls off and stomps on his own head just to be scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is also the guy who comes in with like the random Paul McCartney references, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> he's just talking about, oh, I wonder if there's going to be federal holidays. That yeah. adds to how villainous he is because he likes the Beatles. <laughs> and he's just straight up. And solo Beatles. He's but, just straight up oh. got 
that Mark Hamill Joker energy where he's half mm-hmm. comedic and also a visual sociopath. Yes. And that makes those like one or two scenes per game where the game crosses a line that it has no business crossing that much like just grosser because you are so compelled by this character for this for this really sloppily handled, lurid, horrific shit to happen. It's just like, ah, come the fuck on. Come on. God damn it. It's uh it's a it it is it is a bummer. Yeah. It's it's if my dude had the killing joke over and over, except the creator never went back and said, no, Jesus, no, that's not what happened. No. <laughs> right. And so both the boys begin glowing again as the inevitable fight draws near. Come, my Positron is a baller taunt. <laughs> it really <laughs> so is. good. It's so fucking good. Yeah. One of the few times Xenosaga 2 is as smart as Xenosaga 1. Yeah, this... I get the feeling this speech was written, this event was written somewhere early because this cutscene is done. A lot of the stuff around this, all the visuals in the cutscenes, look like there was supposed to be some kind of cathedral, ship, whatever, in a very gothic horror style. And it doesn't appear because we're just going through the gamer dimension. And then in the cutscenes, we're in this area that's literally aping Giger, that's doing Event Horizon shit. It's wild. I want to know what that looked like, because it's not in the game, uh, the DS game either. This series of scenes definitely feels like it was made by the talented people who made Xenosaga 1 before they all got canned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like that. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, because this is also where the original uh, arrangement of Albedo's theme that was done with the Philharmonic Orchestra starts being woven in. And it's and so it's like, oh, shit, there's good music back in the game again, too, because the, it's recycling Xenosaga 1 material. Yeah, get oh, the fuck out of here, Korg. Get fucking ready for recycling Xenosaga 1 material. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yo, that... That Margulis music from Xenosaga 1 is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Margulis is um, the non-problematic fave of this series. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. I love him. He's great. Yeah. He better come back in three. He does. Hell yeah. Yeah, we haven't killed him. He escaped on a robot, remember? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I forgot. The whole thing is so good. <laughs> yeah, my dude anyway. fought Jin to a standstill, went fuck this, and left. <laughs> so... As we said last time, the Proto-Omega fight was basically the game's end boss. This fight with Albedo is impossible to lose. The instant it starts, Albedo casts safety level on you, meaning Junior cannot die, reviving with one HP. To make it even Is that clear, how it works? Does it happen? Does that how the spell actually works where it happens every time? No, this one no. is actually a scripted thing, but mm-hmm. okay. he casts it on you and it will never expire. I yeah, see. if you use it on yourself, it does expire. I think you can only use it once per battle, right? Yeah, it's it's re-raise, but with a limit. So to make this even clearer, Albedo barely attacks. Most of what he does is rotate through taunts. There are actually 10 of them. It numbers them. And if you really fuck up, he heals himself and or you for 50% of your max HP. The trick here is if you did not learn the memory skill on Junior, you're in for a miserable time. You need to hit Albedo's breakpoint over and over, but it shifts from round to round. If you've hit it in this fight once, congrats, it will appear through every change. If you haven't, 
attack a different one and pray it's the correct one. Once you get one, they all appear going forward. So all you have to do is just hit that. Or if it's one that you can't do with your current level of stocks, just shoot him, whatever. If you get him to zero HP and you haven't broken him enough, and nobody's been able to figure out how many of them you need to do, it's at least 10, he heals. That's a lot. If you have memory on, this is a simple fight. If you don't, this is a very long RNG slog that doesn't really make it clear why it won't end. It feels like you softlocked. It is. So I, I'm curious, are you saying that you have to break him the right number of times before he loses all, mm -hmm. his, all his HP? Yep. So like if you're doing too much damage. If you're doing too much too fast mm -hmm. without breaks, yes, it means this fight will continue. Okay, because I was doing you this. You just fight. basically have to hit all three break sequences. Oh, okay, because three, it's a lot. Yeah, because what what I would did with this fight because I I knew you know I had memory and did all that. So like, I would stock up to three. I would give myself a buff. I forget which one now, and then I would just unload and try to do as much damage as possible. And then I just kept getting rehealed. So like the fight ended up taking a long time, even though I was in no danger. Obviously, you're not in any danger at all. But like, if it would have made more sense just to stock up to like one or two and then just hit the brakes 10 times and then kill him and then it'd be over. That's not very well signaled at all. Yeah, nobody knows, nobody has cared enough to try tracking how many breaks you need to do. We know it's at least 10. Some people claim it's around 14. If you haven't done enough, he heals himself at zero HP. Mm -hmm. Once you get him down there and he's been provoked enough, he boosts and performs Eternal Chain, and this ends the game. The cathedral begins collapsing around the two, but only for like five seconds. Albedo's throne disappears, dropping him to the ground, and now he has legs. Uh -huh. Rubido rushes to his side, and Albedo says, admit it, you enjoyed that. And Junior's like, well, yeah, my blood was dancing in my veins. We really are weapons of war. Makes you think, huh? No, it's not that we're tools. It's that... Or men. You can write that. I didn't, read. I didn't write that. You can read that. <laughs> You're welcome. I knew you would laugh at that one, Ryan. <laughs> there is a note here which simply says Thank you the so non cis much. male hosts get the thumb near noses at toxic masculinity while Chris vapes sulkily. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My coils are soaking. I'm not going to burn this coil for a bit. They cost $2. That's fair. <laughs> Albedo oh begins God. disappearing again, and Rubido is surprised that going all out on a guy in anti-Udu mode killed an Udu-touched individual. There, there's a line here where uh, Junior says, uh, you knew, you knew this whole time, and like the first thing that pops into my head is, uh, I don't know a fucking thing, my guy. Yes! <laughs> and more than I knew about it. Yeah. I, I actually turned that into, a, into an image and shared it in our Discord. Yup. Amazing. <laughs> so good. Amazing. That should be the episode art. I think it will be, actually. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely oh, should it's be. It's either that or something else that I forgot to mention, but I need to go get an image of uh, okay. for, for the side quests. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, like, okay, a couple things. Number one, uh, incredibly funny to do this emotional last battle while Junior is still in a swimsuit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh number two like and well i'm i'm gonna touch on some of this stuff during the like the the wrap up on how we feel about xenosaga 2 as a whole but like 
It's God, they fucked this theme of these brothers so much. And like the redemptive, like, uh, I knew, you know, it's like the albedo gaining redemptive clarity is not earned for how unhinged he was the whole game, like the whole duology of games at this point. I rolled my eyes and made a dismissive jerk off motion at this like miniature redemption that happens here. Are are you telling me that Xenosaga 2 might be poorly constructed? <laughs> yeah, wild. Teeny bit. <laughs> a final warning is given. Rubido, beware Negredo's shadow. Ask yourself why it is he doesn't react like we do. And Rubido and Chris Taylor are too dumb to know what that means. And then <laughs> Kirschwash their angels carry Albedo into the fucking sky as his sweet release. Unbelievable. Unreal. It's an amazing scene. You could say he was too human. <laughs> Time for the extremely timely too human bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sakura Mizrahi's ghost appears behind Rubido as he sits, crying in a blank space. I can't feel my right heartbeat anymore. I just tore away half my body with my own two hands. The me that's here isn't me. In case you forgot me. he's a space marine. <laughs> <laughs> the me that's here isn't me anymore. And Sakura, like so many sibling figures in this series, just gets ice cold like a verbal slap to the face and says, were you always this week, Rubido? Jif of that guy going, ooh, walking diagonally across the pane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she urges him to get up and return to the people who are waiting for him when she briefly turns into Momo and reminds him of the promises he made b uh, both of them. He gets off the ground and stumbles into her arms. That's the ruby dough I love, she says. As he embraces her, suddenly Sakura turns into chaos. You did well, Junior. And then Nephilim oh. is behind the duo somehow. Don't worry about it. Yeah. The whole end of this game is just don't worry about it. Here's all the magic characters in a row saying congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The two cryptic assholes talk about uh, how this is going to become a giant wave that engulfs everyone. But for now, nap time. <laughs> and... You know, and... the real cover of this show could be, could be Albino doing the problematic thing next to the I sleep panel. And then Junior <laughs> sitting in a void in the real shit panel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so before we hit credits we cut outside to see the entire space-time anomaly disappear, leaving a Zohar floating in space. Hooray! Junior's gone! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, this takes us back to the bridge of the Durandal, where Chaos and Junior take the elevator up, and Mary Shelley, Xion, and Momo are there, and they all reunite. Uh, everyone else, uh, I guess, went home early. <laughs> <laughs> so, they had a little conversation about it. Did you make up with him? I don't think so. He said he hated me to the bitter end. <laughs> oh, I see. So it was just a big family squabble, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Chion. <laughs> oh like, God. way to, like, completely undersell this extremely traumatic thing you just did. Yeah. Or just went through. And your entire please, video game? Please remember this line and throw it in Xion's face halfway through Xenosaga 3. Can't wait. Yes. 
So suddenly the two sisters realize, oh shit, there's a Zohar out there. We should go and grab it. However, because everyone was just chilling, not doing their jobs, defeat is snatched from the jaws of victory when a massive gravitational well begins to materialize and out of it, a gnosis larger in scale than anything we've observed comes out and appears in reality. This thing is like bigger than cathedral ship, which is, if you recall, the size of a planet. And what is it? A mass? It says massive wire. I, I don't. I don't remember it, looking it, like that. It's wires around a core of a black hole and energy spikes. There's really no form to it. On the nearby Damarung, uh, Wilhelm comments, "Ah, it's here, Abel's Ark." And then everyone sighs and goes, "Of course, it's called that." Uh-huh. <laughs> the Gnosis then swallows the Zohar and vanishes because this is Xenosaga 2 and we can't have nice things or conclusion. <laughs> Atop the Durandal, Chaos is just chilling in space, watching. You know, he's just standing on the hull. He's pulling a cosmos. And he's pulling a cosmos. And Wilhelm holds a brief conversation with him, despite the fact that they are, well, Chaos is in a vacuum and there are no comms that are connecting the two of them. And Damn, better called Dyson. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so there's a there's one interesting bit about this conversation, which is that Wilhelm calls Chaos uh, Yeshua, which is Joshua in Hebrew, if you didn't know. Yep. As the credits roll, we get a brief epilogue for everyone. Junior adopts an albino puppy with creepy purple eyes. He names Albie. This isn't a shit post. This is real. What are you doing, my guy? Yeah. So weird. Momo and it's what a what a freak. Uh for Momo and Ziggy, Momo is going to go spend some time with her mother, and Ziggy says he's being assigned to the Kukai Foundation on priority access for Momo if, quote, she puts in for it. As a result of this, he'll be undergoing life extension treatments. When she asks who on board did this, he not so subtly says, Junior, okay, it was Junior. <laughs> for Jin, given that literally none of his mission concluded, aside from uh, unzipping Kanan, He's going to continue following the trail of an organization he now knows is called Ormus. Shion gives him shit for this, saying, quote, See, your bookstore didn't last six months either. And he hops aboard the Elsa, which sets off fucking owned. <laughs> <laughs> the worst sibling. Oh, so good. He is kind of a dipshit fail, son. He deserves it. He's the person <laughs> who switches major five times in his co in college ten years for a an associate's. <laughs> Shion, Cosmos, and Alan Cosmos says nothing through this entire sequence 
as Shion and Alan wave the Elsa crew goodbye, Miyuki comes up just so he could be horrified at her character model's face again and <laughs> says that there's no vacation for them. Alan has tons of paperwork to fill out after they accidentally stole Cosmos and blew up half of their ship. Shion just tells her robot pal it's time to go home and we zoom out into space. And then after the credits, Wilhelm is there. He's talking with the Testaments atop his own giant robot. I can't believe a CEO would be evil. Uh, his lackeys inform Wilhelm that the Y data that both Albedo and Utex stole is incomplete, and it turns out that they were only in her subconscious, and a lot of it is in her unconscious inside the internet, which is everyone's brains put together. The real answer was in society the whole time. However, Wilhelm doesn't care and welcomes a new White Testament, weaver of the eternal circle of Zarathustra. And uh, it's Albedo. No one's going to talk about fucking Al- talk about it. It's Albedo. He's standing even on top of the ES Simeon. You'd be an idiot to not know this. Even I, Chris Taylor, knew this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, when it comes to perceiving a plot, I am the dumbest guy in the universe. Except... Like, so yeah, it, the that's the one part of this that's obvious because the rest of it is just like, wait till next time energy that honestly says absolutely nothing. Like, oh, it, like all of Xenosaga too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, and we can cut this part, should, do we want to talk about like, yeah, episode thoughts, thoughts now. here? Okay. So yeah. Well, no, let's do retcons first, okay. actually. Before okay. we do this, cool. let me tell you how they changed this going into three. Yes. So on here the we DS... Go. The time-space anomaly is a full dungeon. The whole party comes along. The final boss is a multi-stage fight, first with the Simeon, and then against a not-fucking-around Albedo. He is the endgame boss. You know, every time we say Simeon, I think of the Sibian. <laughs> I've very, I've, very <laughs> distracting. I really have to make sure uh-huh. that I do not say ES Sibian every time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially because right, you'll never forget <laughs> especially biblical. because shocktober is back on and if anything's gonna get me to trip up it's that <laughs> unlike the ps2 version where she just shows up to call rubido a pussy and vanish sakura mizrahi and albedo reveal to junior she sacrificed herself to save albedo her love was for the unified whole of albedo and rubido the twins in one body that's very problematic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And instead of the post-credits conversation being, look, now in white, you get a new epilogue, which is Margulis talking with an unseen figure we can infer is the mentioned but never seen Heinlein, true head of Ormus. It's quite literally the Mr. President Ocelot conversation from the end of MGS1. <laughs> That's the best way that a video game has ever ended, by the way. Yeah. It only yeah. works once, though. Because everyone else has tried to do a variant of that, and the only successful one is the Conduit 2, where you finish the game, and suddenly steampunk presidents come through a portal going, we're here to help you clean up this mess at the last (laughs) second. This isn't even like a surprise twist, because everyone in the world, even the dumbass Pope, knew that Margulis was working for Heinland. Come on, dude. Yeah, and next game we'll deal with Heinlein. Yeah, finally. So, what did folks think about the end of the story of Xenosaga 2? This truly was the f- Xenosaga 2. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it fucking I just sucks don't really have anything... Yeah. yeah, it sucks in all the ways that Xenosaga 2 sucks. It's more the same, and that same is like, 
steaming shit. Mm. So I just want to say, what actually happened in this game other than we killed a Pope? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, because I can't remember, because this has been six months. We have the Y data, Tell me but what it's happened. not, it's not the, the real Y data. We brought back old Milsha, but we destroyed old Milsha. We okay. uh, created a giant robot and blew up a giant robot. We summoned Udu, but we didn't summon Udu. Uh, you brought back the Zohar, and then it got stolen by a Gnosis. Is Udu still a threat? Udu is still a threat. <laughs> Jeff Gerstmann is still Udu. <laughs> Look. Uh-huh. Like, every gain we made in this game was undone. Literally, the only thing that changed is we killed a Pope. Everyone yeah. else we the took entire... out came back. We didn't even kill a Pope. Some other guy killed a Pope. We were just there when it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm willing to give the party credit. Nobody knows about the Testaments. Junior can kill Steel. <laughs> yeah. 30% of this game's runtime was preparing for and then doing a checkup. Mm -hmm. Yep. The thing that stuck out to me most playing through the end of this, besides the fact that, like, basically the plot had concluded and then Junior was basically like, oh, yeah, I, uh, sorry, I gotta go destroy the final essence of my brother inside a space-time anomaly just because he's calling me to do it. Uh, I'm the CEO of the galaxy's second biggest private militia, and I'm sure that my services won't be needed in the upcoming Zohar War, so I'm gonna fuck off and maybe, like, die here. Uh, so, you know, besides that, like... Wish you would, Junior. Yeah, for real. Like, the only theme... I that hate this, Junior now. I, yeah. The only theme that this game is trying to communicate anything about is family, and it does so in really bad ways. And like, you know, say what you will about Xenosaga episode one, but there were themes. There were attempts we, at themes. And we will like, talk about this at the end of this episode, because I have a lot to say about that. Okay. All right. Then then I'll 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 cap it there. Yeah, because right right now we're just talking about this section and it's very bad. Mm -hmm. Like fucking the sloppiest stapled together bullshit that's ever been. Oh yeah, somehow uh, worse. Somehow worse than just two of Xeno Gears. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 exactly the, what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's like somehow it is worse than just Faye narrating shit to you from uh, like a police interview stool. It is better. It is better than the version of this in Chrono Cross, just because it takes less time to play than that. But that's it. <laughs> so for what it's yeah. worth, there is a rumor going around that heavily points to the next thing Square is going to remaster being either Xenogears or Chrono Cross. Whoa. Interesting. Get it should ready be Chrono for Cross. That. Chrono Cross is an incredible game. Mm -hmm. Both of those are incredible games. My curiosity is if they, talk about Chrono. they did Saga Frontier and fixed up the unfinished content in it yeah. for the remaster, yeah. what would that look like if we did that with Xenogears? Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they better fix all the other parts of Xenogears, though, as Xenogears bad game that I think fondly of, but bad game. Yeah, I can't I can't fight that. Yeah, I didn't get very far in it myself. <laughs> I'm what? sorry, I almost said Xenogears is a fucking monolith a soft ass game. And then I remembered it was made by monolith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, before this they became monolith. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's true. That's true. Well, a bad game with like 10 out of 10 ambitions, classic model of soft, and mm -hmm. then it was. Wow, Okami really has some platinum energy. Hmm. <laughs> mm. uh, 
So the game asks you to make clear data after Albedo's Masquerade. If you load this, you will be in the surprisingly robust post-game. Before we start this, Sybil, is this just Persona 3, the answer, but inside of Xenosaga 2? Not even that much content. Oh, God. That had more of a story. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The answer has story stuff. This does not have any story stuff. This is just stuff you can do. I wish the answer didn't have story. It makes the game worse. I mean, it does I make the game worse. Don't disagree with you, but when you go through a lot of two cut content and one massive, brutal dungeon, which are all feeling like scrapped assets with no developments whatsoever, you definitely feel the lack of, oh my God, please break this up with a cutscene. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't hate the factory. It was frustrating, but it didn't like the only place I had a lot of uh, friction was in um, Heaven's Ruins. But we'll talk about that when it comes up. Yeah, we'll get there. So I did not do any of the postgame content. So this is all going to be new to me. I believe only Matt and I did. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did most of the work to get ready for it and then said, what if I didn't do more of a thing I hate? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So then. Ask us any questions you need as you go along, because this should be good. Why did you do this? Yeah, that's number one. (laughs) Because I take notes. (laughs) All right. Why did you do this, Uh, I was curious. I was just curious to see what, how bad it was. And it, it, it's not great, but it didn't kill me. Okay. (laughs) Matt, what, what if the cut content from an already bad game, what if it was good? (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't expect it to be great. I just expected it to not, you know, Make me pull my hair out, which it mostly didn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, you spawn back on the Elsa safe point and you're parked inside the foundation. The Omega system is still intact and you can refight Pope Sergius. All the other bosses on the way, though, are dead. And then if you initiate the fight with Sergius, you will be triggered back into the endgame loop. Sweet Jesus, do you have to do the whole ST anomaly again? Yes. Yep. Yes, oh, every God, time. What the fuck? You have to break through the entire endgame and save after the cutscene to get out of that loop every time. <laughs> Thank God I'm not on a PlayStation 2. Uh, I believe that the enemies that don't respawn are still dead. Yeah, they're gone. So at least oh. it's a fast run. <laughs> but yeah, you you just walk in, you fight the Pope, you do the cut, you skip the cutscenes, you do the anomaly, and then you go through the credits and save again. If you were a young Sybil, this is how you farmed Awakening 4s to pay off Matthews' debt. I killed the Space Pope and Albedo over eight times. Jeez. Yeah, that's the only way you really should, like, unless you are, like, cheating or doing extreme grinding to to do this with Orgula, this is the only way to do this, right? Basically, yeah. Ridiculous. Or you could be an idiot. I did not do that. Farm vendor (laughs) trash items. Oh, you can you can make fun of younger me a lot for some of the things I'm going to mention in these notes. <laughs> I was dog shit stubborn. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Look, I beat Zeno Saga 2 without a guide, like right there with you. The UMN now allows you to go into the Omega system and at character scale as well. This is how you pick up a new decoder and also a spare secret key in a hidden puzzle room. It is one of the most tedious puzzle rooms in the game, all for Focus 2. What is that? Focus 2 is 15% SP regeneration when you stock, so that stacks with Focus 1. 
Yeah, so you get up 25% of your uh, SP back every stock. Well, or you could so just... So it's really good, and you, you, you just absolutely need it for the post-game. Yeah, honestly. you should just equip the doubler and only that. You don't have enough slots. Even with the four-slot thing, one of your slots is wasted with the doubler, and another is wasted with the swimsuit, so you really only have two slots to play with at any given time. Right, but, but uh, this is a mastered skill. Oh, shit. Hello. Yeah, it's, it's just permanent. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah, a permanent rules. Like, yeah. Yeah, but there's this weirdly, there's this other skill that says that y- you recover 15% health, but I have no idea if it works or not because I don't know when it's supposed to trigger. I thought it was going to trigger on stock like focus does, but it doesn't. I think it's strange. It's no, no. Yeah. What that does is it increases the amount you you get healed for by that much. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. And also is pretty useful, but should be like 25 or 50% considering how little your uh, healing abilities are. Mm. SpongeBob voice. Why don't you do the mechanics and do the double heal? That's what you're supposed to (laughs) do, right? You're supposed to do, yo, you're supposed to do the turn combo thing to double cast Medica all like, right? I tried to do that. And I guess I didn't know how to do it right because it just turned into like, okay, I just cast Medica two twice. What happened? Mm. Yeah, you have to chain boost into it. You need to. No, use yeah, the boost. yeah. I did the boost, and then I went to do. So right, you're supposed to go boost, and then you cast. Sorry, I, I just it, it's very. You need someone me. boosted in the slot. Yeah. You go to cast, and then you can go over a menu to do any combo stuff with that person who's next. Okay, to I did not see the menu to move over. <laughs> that that was not signaled very well. Yeah, I think well. it's triangle is the button you hit. Do they both need to know Medica too? Yes. Okay. So almost impossible to do. Shoutouts for this being brought up one time 30 hours ago before you ever needed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not being able to heal, huge pain in the ass in these fights, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the puzzle to get it isn't hard if you look over it before hitting the explode mode button, but it involves a lot of backtracking around the room to hit things from the correct angle, especially if you want all the treasure chests. And let's let's not undersell this. You are going up and down three levels with an elevator, running around the room, destroying a couple of cubes, but making sure you destroy the right one so that you don't leave something that you can't destroy later. Mm. And then leaving those to make bridges across the upper levels so you can get to the stuff behind them. But then you need to destroy those to move further when you're done on the upper levels to get to the stuff behind those. But if you destroyed any in the wrong order, you have to restart this whole puzzle and you need to take out everything in the room to get to the focus two key. Oh, Mm. my God. It's really tedious. It's like five to ten minutes of wandering around in an enemy free room. And it's a very, very long ladder between the top and the bottom levels, too. Like, yeah, it's a it's you could have condensed this. But then again, with the camera angle being able to see all of the all the pieces like you could solve this puzzle just looking at it immediately the problem is actually going ahead and doing it just takes forever not a mm. thrill what is the best puzzle in the xenosaga mm, that's a good question mm. i think that it's the one really good where you arrange the paths for the detonators and they all have to meet at the same time i like that one the most uh i like the one where you knock over stacks of blocks and then yeah, I think that's what I'm going to say too. Yeah. Yeah, the one in Labyrinthos, mm-hmm. I think. That was pretty that, good. That's I think that's more of a chore though. Right? Like it's not hard to figure out. It's fun to do cuz it's fast and it, the it's very satisfying feeling. 
Yeah, I thought you liked the one with the the glass panels with the rotating oh, I like center that. room. That's cool too. This there are a lot of cool puzzles in Xenosaga too. That mm-hmm. that is shocking to me. Like puzzle game on point here. I actually really liked the breakthrough puzzle also. Oh yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. Mm, is that the true. one with all yeah, the colored that was boxes? A fun one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my god, I hate it. I, not that is a kind of puzzle I'm extremely bad at. So, I hated that. Yeah. Real <laughs> talk. After we did that week's recording. I went around looking for thinking, okay, Steam is a fucking shovelware factory now. There has to be literally any clone of that game I could buy for five bucks just to get that itch scratched. The only one is a shitty hentai flip. Oh, my God. Mm. That's it. There's nothing else. All the PopCap stuff has been delisted for ages ever since that company turned into nothing but plants versus zombies under EA. So Mm -hmm. I basically have to go back to 90s games if I want to play anything in that vein. So what yeah. you're saying is there's a hole in the market and we need yes, to fill someone it. someone make me an either good erotic or non-erotic version of Breakthrough. I'll pay you fucking money. I just mm-hmm. want something to fuck around with. <laughs> Called Bust Through. Yeah, <laughs> please. <gasps> bustin', bustin', bustin'. Here we go. So... Finally, when you first spawn, the professor will be waiting nearby to kick off all of the post-game quests. Talk to him, and he will explain why he was making a giant robot. You see, he has a doppelganger, who he calls a twin brother briefly before going, and actually, we're unrelated, so I guess I don't need to handle this, but I feel slightly responsible, (laughs) who is making a robot of his own, the Dark Kaiser. If you have Junior doing the talking here, this is absolutely fucking hilarious. Apparently, he's like, wow, uh-huh. that absolutely sounds evil. This motherfucker. really into this. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. And yeah, chances are you have Junior in the lead because he's the character you beat the game with. Mm. Yeah. So then you will be sent to the other professor who is the guy who had the forbidden device to follow up on all of this. And we will get there in a bit. But first, we get to talk about GS campaigns again. Because these For are the, the last final few time. Ones. Yeah, last time. So, campaign number 24, the quiz show. So this little wiener kid on the Kukai Foundation can't beat the high score on this quiz game. And he gives you a free play token. I didn't realize that was infinite tries. I thought it was single try. Like, you use the coin for one free play and you're done. Nope. Okay, well, doesn't matter. I really wonder because, yeah, how would you reuse a token if this wasn't an infinite credit game pass, but they localized it weirdly since we didn't have those yet? You have it on a string. Yeah. Just stealing money out of the people who made this as a pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh-huh. exactly. It's like, how would that in space? We could still defeat shit with a 10 penny? Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a 20 question quiz, which consists of all numerical answers up to five digits, which you have to manually enter with like a scroll wheel <laughs> uh, for each uh, each digit. And this is not multiple choice. So you are basically forced to use a guide because some of these questions are super, super niche. Right. Like, so it's stuff like, yes. what is the number on the shuttle that takes you to the Kukai Foundation? Like, what? How excuse many? Vector. How many yeah. vector logos are inside second division? Shut the fuck up. Yeah, okay, it's all so questions like, like that. Let's let's be real here. If you don't have a guide, the process of doing this 20 Hours. 
question quiz is every time you get to a new question, you find out what it is, you fail out, and you have to go into the world and count. Every time you guys read a bullet point and we just started, I feel more and more justified in having not done this. Mm -hmm. And some of these are wild, including how many Kirschwassers can you talk to on the Durandal? Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. Nine, 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 nine. It is nine, yes. You're actually Yeah, because there's, there's four on each side and then the one in the middle. Yeah, but again, some of these go up to five digits. Oh my God. So you can't brute force this. Yeah, it's uh And the it's final question as a middle finger is, what's the sum of the previous 19 answers? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah, no one's written out the questions. I wanted to read some of them just so I remember. Yeah, like, yeah, one of the answers is um, 25,612. Jesus Christ. So so the final answer is 208080. That guy putting on clown makeup meme, but it's just questions from this quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's real rough. But... You get something real good for it. You get the final Emacs 300 for your ESs. So, so we skipped the North America specific bosses because they all suck and there's nothing interesting about them. I didn't add them to the notes. If we want to talk about it, Matt, whatever. But I did realize that I think the reason they were added is because Emacs 300s are very missable in the Uh original game. All of those guys drop a guaranteed one. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. I think that's why they're there. They're all recolors. Yeah, and I guess because they want you to have it for the replay, right? Like for New Game Plus? Or something, yeah. Or something. Yeah, I didn't end up fighting those. I It gets mentioned later on that like, oh yeah, there's even more dangerous enemies. And I'm like, I you didn't tell me where they are. I don't see them in the guide at all. So I'm not going to look them up and I'm not going to fight them. So I didn't fight them. I think uh, Gaggle Bob has. uh, (laughs) Yeah, Gaggle Bob has covered these so we can at least share some pictures of them, (laughs) you know, for people on the podcast. Oh, we could go to that weird (laughs) Xenosagas 2 side quest review blog. Yeah, no, that's that's Gaggle Bob. That's the guy. Yeah, Gaggle Bob. That's the one I'm talking about. What does he think about it? He thinks all the (laughs) bad ones are good. Oh, I bet. Oh, hold on. I haven't gone to the verdict. Uh, What is the verdict? (laughs) GS campaign 21 near the laundry on the Kukai foundation is a man who looks like a failed mime named Roy failed mime is a powerful own considering how I perceive real mimes yes like imagine if Alan dropped out of vector school to become a mime that's this guy plus 50 years I wish he would shut the fuck up Alan (laughs) He says he planted a time capsule once and begs you to find it. It's in a factory somewhere in the entire universe. (laughs) Fucking Chris Taylor, motherfucker. I put a a time capsule somewhere and then immediately forget where it is. (laughs) That's literally all he tells you is it's in a factory. Luckily for him, it's the second post-game dungeon. So we'll get there when we cover that. (laughs) Yeah. If you clear that, it gives you access to the third post-game dungeon and some skill upgrade ease, and you find out that the time capsule only contained a porno mag. That's not a joke. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the funny thing. It's like, and then he tells you, 
oh, I'm going to have the best wank. I have waited 50 years for this yeah. wank since I dropped this off. So I'm going to go and have a good time. That's not a Hell joke. yeah, dude. That's that literally rules. what he said. <laughs> but like, good on him for holding it out, right? He's really holding in his uh, like pure essence or whatever the fuck. Jesus. The most fucking vi- vital essence a person's ever had. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, and then when he releases, it just releases Udu all over again. <laughs> uh, next Thank up, you. GS campaign. Oh, you first. No, I was just going to say, that's how second Milshin dies. It's like the molasses flood, but this guy's nut. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, campaign 28, Mad Skelter. The bartender at the Iron Man is upset that on a tokusatsu show, the villain Mad <laughs> Skelter got away. He asks you to find and kill him, who, again, is a character inside of a media franchise in uh-huh. this universe. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that guy... <laughs> it, it, no, it literally is like, man, he got away. I think he's still out there. I'm, like, concerned about it. I'm losing sleep. Can you go kill him for me? <laughs> yes. And he's talking about it as on Iron 3, this guy escaped. He's not unaware that it's not a show. (laughs) Amazing. That is one of my favorite premises. It is up there with that Shadow Run Returns quest about the TV show. Incredible. It's a very good joke. I hate that this is buried so fucking deep. And this is the shittiest because... You can find that guy at the end of the very long third post-game dungeon after you've completed it and killed optional super boss Dark Erde Kaiser. He doesn't spawn until that. Yeah, he is literally the last thing you... Uh, well, besides those three super bosses, the last thing you can fight. Yeah. In the original game, this was the very last guy. Wow. He copies the stats of whoever has the highest level when you get in, and he has seven different stat patterns based on each party member. If you manipulate this, he can be a cakewalk, like pick a Momo or Xion who has low defense and HP. Otherwise, he might be a slow slog tank or something. It sucks. I like the tone of this because that basically means you go from a super robot battle into this and it like, Xenosaur 2 is just like, all right, now we're going to close out Wacky. I like that. I like that they're back to back like that. Yeah. The thing about this boss fight, well, I mean, the way it works is the guy has, like, arrow shots that do a whole bunch of different status effects, and he moves so frequently that there's no point in, like, clearing them. But the thing that happens is if you get hit and unluckily get, like, a high-level status effect, he just instantly kills the character, just straight-up murders him. And that sucks. Later on in the second half of this fight, he ends up doing these like party-wide attacks that do a shit ton of damage. So I like the first time I went into this fight, I just went in and rolled in with my normal party because I'm like, oh, I'll figure this out. And I think they ended up taking uh Cosmos's stats. So I was doing like Cosmos and Ziggy are two of the worst oh. you can give it because of how much fucking health he gets. Right. So like what ends up happening is that this guy is dealing like with the AoEs, like 900 plus damage to everybody. And he's taking 500 damage a hit when he's, like, fully, like, Mm. when we're fully uh, staffed up and, like, he's knocked in the air and everything. Like, 500 a hit. I die because I got uh, Momo and Cosmos knocked out, and then Jin immediately got an H 
<laughs> status, and then it game's over before you even get shot with the arrow. It just ends the game because it's like, all right, game over, which that is sucks. really funny. Uh, but then I went back and decided, all right, I know they're going to do the stat thing. I went in with Xion as the, the highest level character, mm-hmm. instantly took a quarter of the damage and did four times as much damage to the same boss and just yeah. immediately destroyed it. You need one of the glass cannon casters to be the highest level going in. That is a... Like, that's a boss idea that is much cooler for the designer than everyone else. Because it's, like, conceptually cool, but an execution is really shitty. And nothing is opaque about it. If you have a guide and know that, otherwise, he just goes <laughs> analyzing party, ah, target found, mm-hmm. stats copied. And it doesn't say the strongest person. It's just like, oh, he just picked some guy at random, and you have no idea that all of his stats, including his HP values, are determined by which character. Too bad your friend isn't here, so we couldn't clown on him for that translation. Yeah. It's just the crazy thing is just how wide that gap is between, like, a high-stat character and a low-stat character in your party. Yeah. There is really, like, no middle-of-the-road character, right? Like, everyone is either a tank or a glass cannon. Oh, extremely so. I think... Except maybe Junior... I was going to say, I think Junior and maybe Chaos are the ones who are just like normal mode. Much like a lot of the post game on this, nobody has done the research to take down these stats that I could find. So I'm just guessing. And finally, there is one standard GS campaign that's here going into the sewer one last time for campaign 13. Do you have to walk all the way to the bottom? Yes. Oh, these motherfuckers. Toilet Janitor Glenn will give you the water tank B key to investigate the only part of the building you haven't purged yet. Trek all the way down to the far southeast corner of the deepest floor of the place to fight Wraith Virus. This thing has two arms. It revives infinitely. It can't be broken. It's weak to ether and fire. Momo can solo this thing if you give her a good combo. You earn Decoder 8 and the ability to never return to the sewers again for this. Mm-hmm. God and the, the worst part, God help you if you went all the way down here and lost this fight, because then you have to go from the nearest save point, which is somewhere Ooh. in in uh, the city. It's by the dance studio. Yeah. And then you have to go yeah. all the way down through the thing again. Like there's no, oh, by the way, you should probably save here because there's a boss fight. It's real dumb. I don't think we mentioned it last time, but the previous campaign, when you beat Mad Skelter, you do get a double attack for Cosmos and Xion. Oh, yeah. yeah, you get a... Double it. Fucking hell. At the very end of everything. Yes. Is it cool at least? No idea. <laughs> it does look pretty sick. It's it, like it's basically them doing an ice skating routine with lasers. Hell yeah. yeah it's pretty cool. Lasers are cool. Hi, all. This episode ran a little long, so we are splitting it in half. Please stick around for the next episode in two weeks, where we will discuss the Dark Erde Kaiser side quest, as well as our final thoughts on Xenosaga Episode 2 before heading into Xenosaga 3. As for plugs, you can listen to us talk about anime, 
on Boku no Stop. There is a free version where we are covering Monster and a premium version for backers only where we are wrapping up G Gundam and we are going to announce our next series soon. For Sybil's projects, you can check them out at hellscaper.com. You can check out Ryan's band at canonanddevarin.bandcamp.com or their solo work as Catastrophizer at soundcloud.com slash Catastrophizer. Also, you can listen to Chris and Ryan's Final Fantasy XIV podcast, Icons and Icons, which is for patron backers only. So if you are interested in anything like that or any bonus episodes for any of the shows on the Pitch Drop Network, please go to pitchdrop.cash and donate as little as a buck a month. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. The true eternal chain, the fulfillment of that which we lacked, the evolution of mankind, and the evolution of the very world itself that watches over us. Happy days are here. They'll name a holiday after me. That is, assuming they even have the concept of holidays on the other side. <laughs>